Welcome to Snazzy Stories. Put some pepper in thy step and lend an ear to the terrific tales of the past. Hey, welcome to Snazzy Stories. If you would like to keep the storytelling alive, please go to patreon.com slash snazzy stories and donate to my storytelling adventure. Also, subscribe to Snazzy Stories on iTunes, Spotify, many other podcast apps, or go to snazzystories.com and leave a good review. Today's story is about a strong woman in the LDS Church. There have been many, many pillars of female strength throughout Mormon history, and Eliza Roxy Snow is certainly at the foundation of it all. She was baptized into the LDS Church from her Baptist background in April of 1835. That same year, her poems were published, and she became a sensation for them throughout the United States. In 1837, she went to Kirtland, Ohio, and far west to join her LDS people. However, on a bitter winter night in 1838, the saints were driven out of far west by mobs. As she walked through the night, hoping that walking would warm her frozen feet, a member of the mob rode up next to her and said, quote, well, I think this will cure you of your faith, unquote. Eliza defiantly replied back, quote, No, sir, it will take more than this to cure me of my faith, unquote. That response, especially to a male, was very indicative of who Eliza was. Eliza became an important role in the hierarchy of the LDS Church. She was often referred to as a priestess, and she was chosen to officiate in the Nauvoo Temple for women of the church. Important women in the church were also set apart or given callings to give priesthood blessings to those who were sick, which was primarily a male role in the LDS church and is exclusively a male role in the modern LDS church. Eliza, along with a Mormon midwife, Patty Sessions, performed blessings often to members in need. Patty wrote of one particular blessing. She said that, quote, She with Eliza R. Snow blessed Helen and Jeanette. Then in the gift of tongues, Eliza R. Snow sung a blessing to all the rest of the girls, unquote. Eliza was also a writer. She wrote or edited nine books, two of which were her own books of poetry. Also, ten songs in the current LDS hymn book are Eliza's. She was also a part of the Relief Society organization, a women's organization in the LDS Church. She was the secretary. She and Emma Smith, who was the president of the women's organization, gathered hundreds of women's signatures and petitioned the governor of Illinois to protect Joseph Smith. Unfortunately, their efforts to keep their prophet, who was also Emma Smith and Eliza's husband, safe did not happen. Their husband, Joseph, was killed in 1844 by a mob. But Emma and Eliza, along with hundreds of other Mormon women, believed in their First Amendment right to petition, and they did just that. As women, they took their civic duty seriously and firmly believed that they had those rights, just as men did. Eliza was a polygamous wife to Joseph Smith, but a secret wife. She was grief-stricken over his death, but because their religious ceiling was a secret, she had to grieve privately, and the entire ordeal was devastating to her. Even though after the murder of Joseph Smith, Eliza eventually married Brigham Young, the next prophet of the LDS Church, she referred to Joseph Smith as her first and only love. 
The Mormons were eventually driven out of Nauvoo, and the LDS people made the journey to what would be the Utah Territory. Eliza drove a team of oxen most of the way, and along the way, she gathered together with other women for support and spiritual help. Even though the women's organization in the LDS Church, the Relief Society, had taken a hiatus because Emma Smith, the president of the organization, had stayed in Nauvoo, women, including Eliza, felt it a great comfort to gather together along their journey. Eventually, Brigham Young and Eliza worked together to bring this women's organization back in 1866. But along the trail, the essence of this women's organization was still intact through the support women gave each other on their journey. When they reached Zion, Brigham Young began sending his people all over the Utah Territory to settle. Once the Relief Society was reorganized, Eliza, the new president of the organization, began traveling throughout the territory with her counselors, Zena Young and Elizabeth Ann Whitney. Eliza had the ability to energize women about their faith to help them get through difficult times. Many women viewed Eliza as just as important as any male Mormon leader. In fact, young people were taught to reverence the prophet, the priesthood, and Eliza R. Snow. And if that was the case, then just as people reverenced the prophet when he walked into a room, so they were to do when Eliza Roxy Snow walked into a room. Eliza had the ability to encourage all women in the LDS Church to value themselves. Eliza was unable to have children, therefore she was quite different from many other women in her religion. But she reminded women that they all had contributions to make to their church and their communities through their individual talents, and that was just as important as motherhood. She expected women of the LDS Church to be hardworking and become well-rounded human beings. One of her favorite mottos was, quote, greatness is usefulness, unquote. Eliza was a woman that would take action first and ask for approval later. For instance, when a group of women suggested the idea of creating a church-wide organization for children, Eliza said to go ahead and do it and ask permission later from the male leaders of the church. Brigham Young was one of the few people who ever told Eliza no to anything that she wanted to do. And he didn't do that very often. He knew that would cause an argument. These two even disagreed in public a few times. However, they did respect each other, and she grew to be one of Brigham Young's confidants. She would always sit on the right side of him during dinners at his main residence. She came to be known sometimes as Presidentess, or Captain of Utah's Woman Host, or Zion's Poetess. Brigham Young asked Eliza Snow to form the Cooperative Retrenchment Association, which gave women the chance to participate in civic duty, discuss religion, and even develop skills inside and outside the domestic sphere. The Young Ladies Mutual Improvement Association was also formed, and this encouraged young women to become educated not only religiously, but secularly as well. Eliza was a polygamous wife to Joseph Smith and then to Brigham Young, so she did defend the practice of polygamy. She disagreed that polygamy degraded women. Polygamous women were very independent, and she encouraged them to be so. She encouraged them to develop their self-sufficiency through medical training and gathering of supplies for emergencies. Mormon polygamous women were independent because their lifestyle forced them to be so. Their husbands were not around all the time to help them. Therefore, they had to know how to take care of their own households. 
Now, Eliza was a bit different in the Mormon culture because she did not have children. Therefore, she could travel places when and where she wanted. But she was still a rock for all women to look to. Because Eliza defended polygamy, many women believed she could not understand the women's suffrage movement. Many women outside the Utah Territory, including Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony, who were running the national suffrage movement, disagreed that Mormon women could be suffragettes, or at least understand the cause. Anthony believed that Mormon women within a patriarchal religion would be their own fault if they did not vote to abolish the practice of plural marriage. Many anti-polygamy activists argued that Utah women should be granted suffrage, believing that who they believed to be oppressed and downtrodden women in Utah would use their voice to end the practice of polygamy. However, the argument that these women would vote to end polygamy if given the chance was never the case. These women enjoyed more independence than what the outside world saw, a reason being because their husbands were not around all the time. Therefore, these women, again, were in charge of their own households. Women in the Utah Territory received the right to vote in 1870, 50 years before the women of the United States in 1920. And the women of Utah never voted to end polygamy. Even though women around the country berated Mormon women for their involvement in their religious practice of polygamy, Eliza and women of Utah strongly stood on the side of women's suffrage. Utah women believed it important for women and men to stand alongside each other as equals. Eliza said, quote, In the church and kingdom of God, the interests of men and women are the same. Man has no interest separate from that of women. However, it may be in the outside world, our interests are all united. Unquote. Although many people outside the Mormon religion disagreed with Eliza that Mormon women were greatly independent, she continued to make the argument that polygamy and the equality of women could work together. She said at a speech in Ogden, quote, I tried in many instances to make people believe that women in Utah had more freedom than women had anywhere else on the earth, but they thought they knew better than I did. I told them how long I had lived with the people and that I ought to know better than strangers. Unquote. Eliza was also a well-known contributor of the Women's Exponent, a periodical published by women of Utah from 1872 to 1914. Again, Mormon women using their First Amendment right, freedom of the press, to get their voice heard. Eliza, along with other women, used the exponent to state their point of view. Eliza R. Snow, in the July 15, 1872 issue of the Women's Exponent, wrote an article entitled, Women's Status, regarding the necessity for the government to extend the right to vote to women. She stated, quote, The status of women is one of the questions of the day. Socially and politically, it forces itself upon the attention of the world. A woman must be preserved from the slightest blast of trouble, petted, caressed, dressed to attract attention, taught accomplishments that minister to man's gratification. In other words, she must be treated as a glittering and fragile toy, a thing without brains or soul, placed on a tinseled and unsubstantial pedestal by man as her worshiper. This elevation of status is by courtesy, not by right. Let one of those idols choose to step beyond the bounds which society prescribes, and she is hurled from her position and flung in the mire of social degradation. What legal rights can she fall back upon? 
What power has she to work her own restoration? In some of the states of the Union, she can acquire and control property, and this is a great step in advance. Yet she is far from possessing the power to rise above untoward circumstances that she would possess if she enjoyed political rights and influences. Unquote. Women must be preserved from the society she was born into. And that is why these women, Mormon and non-Mormon alike, stood on the truth of women's suffrage. Eliza Snow was a strong woman in Utah whom all people of the Mormon faith looked to for guidance, male and female. She may have had a different perspective on women's suffrage, but the ultimate goal for all women in the suffrage movement was to help women be treated as equals to their male counterparts. Eliza helped educate Utah women, gave them confidence in being well-rounded in all aspects of life, and embracing all of their qualities. She used her voice in a way to influence, benefit, and strengthen not only women in her religion, but men and the youth, girls and boys in her communities. We all have a voice. How will you use yours? Thank you for listening to Snazzy Stories. Come back again where everyone has a story.